Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Daily Boogie. It's good to be with you, thanks for joining us. I hope you're hungry today because we have got plenty to chow down on. We are going to feast on outrage like gluttonous kings and then quench our thirst with the tears of the the self-proclaimed chosen ones who decide what's cool and what isn't (laughs) for our benefit so we don't have to. So I'm looking forward to it. If you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And if you want to start a food fight, head over to Twitter and follow me at boogie bumper. So like I said, a few stories, but let's let's start the conversation. Let's paint the picture with this story from a few days ago from Axios. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has more Twitter power than media establishment. And there's a graph here. Of course, like always, uh, any articles that we reference will be in the show notes, so you can read along at home. And it's got here the total interactions on Twitter. Now, Donald Trump is well ahead of everybody else, just a tick under 40 million uh, impressions. So that's retweets plus likes. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is second with 11.8. Now, I'll notice that People will be out there saying, well, it's like 25% of Donald Trump. What's the problem here? The problem here is how this first-term congresswoman, who really, you know, whose popularity exceeds all regular metrics up until this point. You know, Donald Trump is the president. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a first-term congresswoman, right? But she is second ahead of Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, CNN, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, The Hill, ABC, New York Times, MSNBC, NBC News, Sean Hannity, The Washington Post, Reuters. This is from the article. A freshman congresswoman who has held office for less than two weeks is dominating the Democratic conversation on Twitter, generating more interactions, retweets plus likes, than the five most prolific news organizations combined over the last 30 days. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is miles behind President Trump in the influence of her Twitter account, but he's the president. She's a new member of Congress who shot out of the cannon following the midterm elections, and she has far more power on Twitter than the most prominent Democrats including the congressional leaders and the likely 2020 presidential candidates. Ben Thompson, who is founder of Stratechery and one of the most pioneering online thinkers, points out that neither Ocasio-Cortez's, quote, background nor her position as a first-time representative are noteworthy enough to be driving the national political conversation, and yet she is doing exactly that. In short... She is the first, but not, but certainly not the last, of an entirely new archetype, a politician that is not only fueled by the internet, but is born of it. This is a point that I've been making on my show. James R., my comrade on Trust and Verify, has been making on his uh, podcast. It's a, it's a point that we've both made on our show together, Trust and Verify. You know, 
to quote uh, Bob Dylan, the times are a-changing. The, the, the mode of interaction that politicians will seek in the future on the back of this success, you know, the, the success of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez cannot be undermined. It cannot be underestimated. And I feel like a lot of people on the conservative side of the spectrum are just falling into a trap here. She removed, again, it's worth saying again, she removed one of the Democrat Party leaders in her district. She gets played from morning till night on right-leaning media. And she's second only to Donald Trump in terms of Twitter engagement. Now, a lot of people like to point out how stupid she is, how idiotic she is. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't know anything. That's not bad for somebody who's an idiot, apparently, right? See, the thing is, it's kind of like when DVD players came out. And you were still using the VHS. You, you knew how to record shows. You even knew how to pause it when the commercials came on so you didn't have the commercials during the movie when you taped something, right? And you then had to ask your six-year-old or ten-year-old grandchild to program the DVD player for you because you couldn't figure it out. And a lot of people, you know, back then would have been saying, ah, oh, this DVD thing, it'll never catch on. Who's going, to watch, who's going to watch a movie off a disc? And, and now DVDs themselves are obsolete thanks to the internet and streaming services. That's how quickly that moves. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is just the first of what is going to be a tidal wave of people running for office who, you know, as it says in this article, but it's just common sense. They haven't learned how to use social media. They were born into it. The science of, you know, gaining popularity on social media is now being learned by 10-year-olds on an instinctive level. Getting retweets, getting likes, getting follows. There are 10-year-olds on Instagram with more followers on social media than most of us have. It's getting popularity on social media is nothing, it's no longer something that happens by accident. It is a learned skill. It is a marketing strategy. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for all of her shortcomings, which are numerous, in this area, she is dominant. And so you can see as this process of the tech world integrating into our world only accelerates. The newspapers are going broke. The cable news networks are going broke. In a poll released late last year, I think social, the way people get their news, social media was second. And, you know, an increase of about 20% or something. That is only going to continue. It's not slowing down. It's not going away. Whether her policies work or not, whether they're smart or dumb, is going to be largely irrelevant because the people that vote for her are going to be looking for something else. 
not a, a policy position, not a three point, not not a politician standing up and bragging about how we reduced taxation by three point five percent, and this created two point six percent in the final column, and this created X amount of investment, and we've got X amount of jobs. They they likely wouldn't even care. But her great talent for all of the criticism that she cops is going to be motivating people to get to the polls, to vote for somebody who says things that they like and is believable. Genuine appeal. Doing live streams in the kitchen, making macaroni and cheese, no makeup, hair pulled back. And you cast that against the current political establishment, the suits, the expensive jewellery, the chauffeur-driven cars, the mansions with big walls. Never without a marketing advisor or a PR advisor in tow. Never seen without makeup. Every single line and every single answer premeditated, workshopped, focus grouped, nothing left to chance. If they say the wrong thing, it's because they haven't researched enough what the right thing is, not because they're being natural in their world. And as social media continues to rise and inject itself into politics and politics into it, as people become more reliant on this medium to shape their views, to create an environment, a cognitive environment through which they see the rest of the world and their political system, it's not going to be the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's struggling to program the DVD player that get elected. It's going to be the kids who at the age of 10, with the click of a finger, can summon an army of an audience to watch them watch cat videos or make macaroni and cheese in their kitchen. Back to the article. When a 29-year-old former bartender of a Puerto Rican descent beats a senior Democratic leader of the House and then proceeds to set the political agenda during her first week in office, it's more than a cute social media story. AOC is one answer to the bigger question of how social media impacts not just the portrayal of political power, but its seizure and exercise. Among 2020 Democratic hopefuls, Senator Kamala Harris, combining her Senate and personal accounts, had the highest Twitter engagement at 4.6 million interactions over the last 30 days. But that's still way behind Ocasio-Cortez. It's less than half. Even former President Barack Obama was far behind Ocasio-Cortez at 4.4 million. Beto O'Rourke, ladies and gentlemen, 1.8 million. Elizabeth Warren's combined accounts, the Senate and her personal account, 1.4 million. On the right, individual personalities out-index partisan news organisations. 
The biggest conservative megaphones, aside from the president, are Charlie Kirk, 7.3 million interactions, and Donald Trump Jr., 1.86 million interactions, eclipsed his nemesis, the New York Times, 1.84 million interactions by a hair. Now, this speaks to a reality that Democrats themselves are going to have to come to grips with. You saw Elizabeth Warren attempt it, pathetically. I'm, I'm going to have a beer. Watch me drink this beer. Right? She knows what's happening. She knows what's going on. That was her putting her toe in the water. It was wooden. It was horrible. She'll get better. She's, prob- she's probably got some social media whiz kid giving her personal instruction right now about how to present herself, how to speak, how to act natural. Drinking a beer. So they know the way it's going to shift. The problem for the Democrat Party is, and the moderate Democrats, of which I know a few listen to this show, this is why you need to be worried. If you don't want your party to fall into the depths of rampant socialism and far-left activist ideology, then you should be very, very, very concerned that someone elected on those very platforms is more popular than all of your quote-unquote moderate leaders combined. All of them. In order to cut off the rise of far-left socialism in the Democratic Party, the Democrats can only seek to take that strategy and enhance it. Because like we said, it's not going away. It's only going to get worse. And if they don't, there will be an army of socialists who follow socialists on Twitter who will vote the moderates out of power and the Democrat Party will become the new Bolshevik revolutionary guard. Perhaps unable to win another presidential election. Perhaps relegated to power blocks on the coasts losing all of the remaining links to quote-unquote middle America or the middle or the centre of the political spectrum. A space that is bound to be filled by somebody else due to this power of social media. She might, as a first-term Democratic congresswoman, drag the the entire party to the left for fear that they will be left behind. But that natural, uh, that natural, genuine quality, it's very difficult to fake. And the corporate press and a lot of people in the political class still don't get it. They still don't understand. The big story today was Donald Trump feeding fast food to the Clemson, you know, the National College football champions. Here's a couple of articles for you to chew on. Donald Trump's epic fast food picture is perfectly Trumpian from Chris Saliza. Maybe we'll listen to a little bit of the president himself. Let's go. Now, what's your favorite thing here? I like it all. I like it all. It's all good stuff. Great, great American food. And it'll be very interesting to see at the end of this evening how many are left. Do you prefer McDonald's or Wendy's? I, I like them all. 
That's a tough question. If it's American, I like it. It's all American stuff. So, but it's good stuff. And we have the national champion team, as you know, Clemson Tigers. And they had a fantastic game against Alabama. And they're all here. They're right outside the room. And I think we're going to let you uh, see them. But I'll bet you as much food as we have. We have pizzas. We have 300 hamburgers, many, many French fries, all of our favorite foods. Uh, I want to see what's here when we leave, because I don't think it's going to be much. The reason we did this is because of the shutdown. Uh, we want to make sure that everything is right. So we sent out. We got this. And we have some wonderful people working at the White House. They helped us out with this. And uh, I will say the Republicans are really, really sticking together. It's great to see, because we need border security. We have to have it. We have to have it. No doubt about it. Should have happened 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And it's going to happen now. going to happen now. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your food. Now, you should see this mountain of fast food. It's quite a sight. But just before we get into the article here, um, did you know what? Did you notice what was happening there? Donald Trump was using this opportunity to again talk about the shutdown and border security in a fabulous way, which is going to draw the kind of media attention, as we know, oppositional always, which is only going to be all-out attack. But he he managed to get the reference in there, the messaging in there. And I'm going to explain in a moment why it's, it's why the attacks are so predictable, one, but stupid as well. On Monday night, President Donald Trump hosted the Clemson football team at the White House to celebrate the team's victory in the National College playoffs. Because of the government shutdown, Trump decided to pay out of pocket for a boatload worth of fast food to feed the players. And just before the team arrived, this photo was taken. Asked about the spread, Trump had, well, a lot to say. I like it all. It's all good stuff. Great American food. And it's going to be very interesting to see at the end of this evening how many are left. <laughs> Twitter went wild. Twump, Twump, Trump tweeted about the Twump. Oh, Twump. <laughs> Trump tweeted about the spread Tuesday saying, quote, Great being with the national champion Clemson Tigers last night at the White House. Because of the shutdown, I served them massive amounts of fast food. I paid over 1,000 hamburgers. Within one hour, it was all gone. Great guys and big eaters. <clears throat> but there's also something interesting and telling in this photo. It is, in a word, Trumpian. You see, because the media is going to fall over themselves to report on this oddity of having all of this fast food, they are going to have to repeatedly report Donald Trump's messaging about the shutdown. Because of the shutdown, we had the shutdown. We need border security. The Republicans are sticking tough. Because he's interlaced his rhetoric about the shutdown into this occasion and made a media event out of it. See, here's the other thing. These people are so stupid. If it had have just been a regular dinner, nobody would have reported it. It would have been something very small. And tonight, the, the Clemson Tigers had dinner with the president. But now, the president's little speech and the images of him in the White House and all of his talk about the shutdown are getting, their, uh, you know, he's, Chris Salizer in this article said it himself. Oh, tw Twitter went crazy. Twitter went, wi Twitter went wild. Everybody's now sharing it. 
what did we say in the beginning about this talent, the science of retweets and likes and hijacking social media to get your brand out there, your messaging, brand awareness? Back to the article. I've written before about the oddity of Trump's appeal to the average Joe, a very wealthy man who has lived in New York City his entire life and whose taste trends towards gold or gold-plated. It seems like a very, very weird fit. Most people don't live and work in a building they own or have silk draperies and wine with their name on it, and yes, steaks with their name on them. Part of the answer lies in fast food. Trump loves it revels in his love for it, and uses it, as he did on Monday night, as some sort of stand-in for patriotism or America Firstism, or something. This from a 2016 New York Times profile on Trump's eating habits and how they differed from past presidents. This is news now. Real news. Quote, in an era of gourmet dining and obsession with healthy ingredients, Mr. Trump is a throwback to an earlier, more carefree time in American eating, when nobody bothered to ask whether the tomatoes were locally grown and the first lady certainly didn't have a vegetable garden, complete with a beehive on the south lawn of the White House. Trump is best understood as a weird amalgam of high and low American culture. You see, fast food is low American culture. Peasants, blue collar, not good enough. He's rich, but he says he identifies more with blue collar workers. He's president of the United States, thanks in large part due to his star turn on a reality TV show where he essentially played himself. And he's a guy who could eat at only Michelin star restaurants, but instead likes fast food better. Which brings me back to the picture. At first glance, it seems incongruous to say the least, stacks of quarter pounders and chicken nuggets flanked by gold-plated candelabra. Trump in formal black winter coat holding his hands gleefully over the food while Abraham Lincoln's portrait looks on from above. And it is incongruous. High and low culture smash together willy-nilly, with no seeming sense of how odd it all looks and how different it is from what's come before, exactly like Donald Trump. Still not quite getting it. Right? The next article from the Chicago Tribune. President Trump roasted for serving fast food to Clemson players. I thought it was a joke. Trump, a fast food lover, said he paid for the meal himself because of the partial government shutdown, which has led to furloughs among federal workers, including at the White House. Otherwise, he joked, First Lady Melania Trump and Karen Pence would be making salads. <laughs> Everybody hates that. You, you can't show up for a salad, mate. I had a choice. Do we have food for you because we have a shutdown? Trump told the team gathered Monday in the White House East Room. Or do we give you some little quick salads that the first lady will make along with the second lady? They'll make some salads. And I said, you guys aren't into salads. Or do I go out and send out for about a thousand hamburgers and Big Macs? But here, here it comes. Here come the attack. The late night TV hosts, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't this wonderful? See, see if you can pick up on the very subtle pothole that these guys have stepped in once again. Quote, late night TV hosts ridiculed the president with NBC's Seth Meyers joking in a Trumpian voice, 
Normally, I would have a salad for dinner, but on Monday, they told me they only eat every fast food. Stephen Colbert of CBS asked whether Trump was just projecting your favourite foods onto them. When the Clemson football players entered the White House opulent state dining room during their Monday visit with President Trump, they were greeted by a sight many likely had never laid eyes on before. Boxes of McDonald's Quarter Pounders, Big Macs and Fillet of Fish sandwiches were stacked in neat rows next to pyramids of packaged salads. The Wendy's girl and her wholesome grin decorated mounds of wraps. Silver gravy boats overflowed with packets of dipping sauce for chicken McNuggets. On a separate table, Domino's pizzas and french fries repackaged in cups bearing the presidential seal. That's fantastic. What a sight. Basked under what appeared to be heat lamps. I thought it was a joke, one Clemson player could be overheard saying in a video shared on Twitter, accurately capturing many people's reaction to the president's earlier promise to serve college football's national champions items found on various dollar menus. Only the meal was very real, and late-night hosts and the internet had a lot to say about it. Jimmy Kimmel. Of all the crazy things Trump said and did over the weekend, this might be the craziest. I think we are going to serve McDonald's, Wendy's and Burger Kings with some pizza. I really mean it. It will be interesting. I would think that's their favourite food, Trump said outside the White House. Kimmel didn't even try to contain his laughter. What would possibly make you think that? He's paying the check, so he had to get the cheapest food they could find. Stephen Colbert and Seth Myers mocked the president for hosting a meal that appeared to cater less to the tastes of his guests and more to his own well-documented preferences. Mr. President, Colbert said, his face contorting into an uncomfortable grimace. Is it possible you're just projecting your favourite foods onto them? He then slipped into his well-practiced Trump impersonation that he does every single show, and it's not getting tired at all. It's not getting stale at all to describe an alternate version of Monday's White House visit. We're all going to eat all of their favorite foods. That's the way he does it. Burgers, KFC, taco bowls, two scoops of ice cream, Colbert said in a Trump voice. On NBC, Myers was equally quick to call out the president. Yes, calling him out. He thinks he's being so sly. Normally, I would have a salad for dinner, and on Monday, they told me they only eat every fast food, the host said, impersonating Trump. Here's the thing. Natural, genuine appeal. Natural, genuine appeal. Am I mistaken, or do a lot of Americans fucking like fast food? Are these people so stupid? Are these people so stupid that they can't see that Donald Trump serving Big Macs and pizza and French fries is going to endear him to a lot of people who also eat Big Macs and pizza and French fries? Here you have these very rich comedians and commentators who quite comfortably are seen, you know, every other week, it seems, being photographed on some kind of red carpet, glass of champagne, eating the finest meals. Oh, he's serving fast food. What an idiot. Oh, he's such a commoner. (laughs) 
genuine likability. You either have it or you don't. The blue collar appeal of serving fast food at this thing is one factor. The fact that Donald Trump can get at any time he wants all of these people who claim to be smarter than him talking about him nonstop just for serving a Big Mac, just for giving somebody a slice of pizza. He can dominate the news cycle all day. Oh, he's such an idiot. And that little speech about the government shutdown and the dramatic imagery of all that fast food piled up in front of him. Hey, we had to do it because of the shutdown. Had to do it. Paid for it myself. I thought they'd like it. <laughs> He's so stupid. Serving fast food. He's so stupid serving fast food. I know what we'll do. We'll talk about it 24 hours nonstop and say how stupid it is and show you how smart we are by doing so. Genuine appeal, ladies and gentlemen, and shares and retweets on Twitter. Like Ocasio-Cortez hijacks the right's tendency to meme, to get her face and her name out there, even when it looks negative, even when you think you're attacking her. Like that. She's become the second biggest show in the game, on social media, behind, only behind the guy who also hijacks his opponent's tendency to try and laugh and be oppositional for the sake of it, and his messaging and his brand gets out there, and he is the undisputed king of likes and retweets on social media. And what do they both have in common? Genuine likability. Reggie Bush was apparently an NFL player at some point. He made a comment. They, fe- they found somebody. They found somebody to criticize. Former NFL running back and college star Reggie Bush. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing because they said college star, he wasn't that good in the NFL. I'm guessing he didn't win a Super Bowl because they didn't write Super Bowl winning NFL running back. Reggie Bush called President Trump's gesture of serving the national champion Clemson Tigers fast food during their White House visit on Monday, quote, disrespectful on so many levels and a huge slap in the face. (laughs) So disrespectful. You see, sharing McDonald's or Wendy's or pizza with somebody, that's just a huge slap in the face. You know, nobody of my standing in society would accept that. You know, if you're a big, important NFL star like me, you wouldn't accept fast food being served to you. Why, that's what the peasants eat. Where's the champagne? Where's the caviar? Right? A huge slap in the face. But let's finish it off with this this huge slap in the face. uh, face. From the New York Post, Trevor Lawrence was a big fan of Trump's fast food feast. 
Clemson star quarterback Trevor Lawrence was loving President Trump's fast food spread and wants to go back for seconds. It was awesome, Lawrence told TMZ. We had McDonald's and everything. It was good. The player and his team feasted on 1,000 burgers from McDonald's, Wendy's and Burger King with Trump Monday night to celebrate winning the NCAA Football National Championship. Lawrence was outside the White House taking photos with fans after the meal when someone asked him how many times he plans to go back, hopefully a few more. The greasy grub, which was served on silver platters, was paid for by the junk food gobbling commander-in-chief himself due to the partial government shutdown, Trump said. There's that word again, the shutdown. White House kitchen staff were furloughed and not working. See, the, the utter stupidity of the naysayers here. And it's the same kind of mechanics working with Ocasio-Cortez, just in reverse. They can't understand what's taken place here today. Here's, here's a bit of information for Reggie Bush, the former NFL player who says this is a huge slap in the face. Reggie, these guys are going to, this, this meal is going to be remembered for a very long time. Nobody remembers what you got served, mate. Nobody remembers what the president gave you to eat, do they, Reggie? Now, because of this, because of people like you magnifying the situation, this this serving of French fries and Big Macs and pizzas and Wendy's has now become, believe it or not, a historic dinner with the president. And everyone will always be able to say, hey, do you remember when Donald Trump served fast food to the football team? Who was it? Yeah, Clemson. Remember the Clemson Tigers? They won that year. Undefeated. Yeah, Donald Trump serving fast food because there was a big government shutdown. You see, the Democrats weren't supporting (laughs) border security. So Trump bought them all Big Macs. Nobody remembers what you got served, Reggie. And nobody will. Huge slap in the face. Genuine likability, ladies and gentlemen. Genuine quality. While the naysayers and the elites and the comedians and the former stars and the media personalities are lining up to give this a slap say how stupid Donald Trump is, little do they know that they are just repeating ad nauseum his messaging about the government shutdown, his picture, and photographs of happy football players eating McDonald's, and Wendy's, and Domino's, fast foods which millions of Americans enjoy every single day. And they're trying to tell you that they understand the common person better than you do. With that, guys, thanks for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the uh, subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And like I said, if you want to start a food fight, head on over to Twitter. Throw your Big Mac at me, at boogie bumper. Till next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.